Dr. Bob and the team of the Brass. I'm Carson Sestouli. This is Fangraphs Audio, my guest on this edition of Fangraphs Audio, making his fortnightly appearance in the program, making what is roughly a fortnightly appearance on Fangraphs Audio. He's a former Pirates beat reporter for the Pittsburgh Tribune Review and also author of Big Data Baseball. It's the prolific Travis Sochik. Travis Sochik is the guest on this edition of the program. And as he does roughly every two weeks, Travis Sochik is a delight to have on uh, Fangraphs Audio. He is delightful. Uh, during all, uh, during roughly the 60 minutes or so uh, for which he appears in the program. Uh, the scope of our conversation is, broadly speaking, the junction between boredom and baseball. Last week, Travis wrote an excellent piece on Eric Thames and, and the transformative power of boredom. Because uh, when Thames was playing in Korea, uh, he had a lot of time by himself. He did not speak Korean, and uh, he had a couple of American teammates, but they had their families with him. So he spent a lot of time by himself, and he essentially became a baseball monk. This is in the way that we learn how boredom has a transformative power, is what we learned from Eric Thames via Travis Sajic. So that's a lo- much of the first half of the conversation is dedicated to that. The second half of the conversation, uh, we transition to a conversation of Hardball Dynasty, an online baseball simulation which you might be familiar, facilitated by whatifsports.com. What you might not know, Travis Sochik, again, former beat reporter, Pirates beat reporter for the Pittsburgh Tribune Review, is in a is in a hardball dynasty league with many other beat reporters. And a former Fangraphs contributor, current employee of a Major League Baseball team, whom Travis outs uh, roughly the 50th, 52nd minute of the program. So stirring revelations. Stirring revelations. It's definitely the biggest news uh Definitely the biggest news broken today in world media. Uh, but anyway, it's it's a it's a delight to have uh, Travis on. Again, uh, always a pleasure to speak with him. Enjoy our uh, bi-weekly conversations. Uh, I will say one. I will make one note before we begin, and it's that Fangraphs memberships exist. If you're if you're interested in supporting Fangraphs.com. You can do so, but by a reasonable sum, a reasonable fee, a reasonable sum for a reasonable sum, you can become a Fangraphs member and support the work that Fangraphs writers do, support the work that exists here on Fangraphs Audio. Uh, for a slightly less reasonable sum, you can you can get uh, you can acquire an ad-free Fangraphs membership, which allows you to browse Fangraphs.com without the burden of banner ads, facilitating faster loading speeds, and also uh, liberating you from the, the, the distortive effects of advertisement. Now, and now, now, of course, with that advertisement having concluded, allow us, allow me to bring you, allow me to direct you uh, to the conversation with Travis Sochik. What is it? It is Fangraphs Audio. Who does it feature the prolific Travis Sochik? And when does it begin? Right now. I don't believe that. I don't believe that. I'm sure it's just a very deep and thought-provoking and complicated post that requires It's a complicated post, Travis. Nick Cellini is writing about the amount of coverage that is being dedicated to by uh, certain broadcasters to to Derek Jeter. Did I say that? The amount of coverage that is being dedicated to Derek Jeter and the retirement of Derek Jeter's number. Seems a bit excessive, but I guess he was a popular ball player. So, yeah. Well, Nick uh, Stillini asked the question: uh, Is it short-sighted, perhaps, because the, this in this this Yankees 
an Astros game, for example, will feature many of uh, many of today's and tomorrow's stars. The stars of today and tomorrow, Travis. (laughs) Yeah, we can't let go of the past. No, that's true. We can't let go of the past. The past is 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 a is an important ingredient in baseball, I guess. For some people, I suppose, not for everyone, really. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) They wouldn't want me on this cheater uh, media publicity tour thing they're doing. They wouldn't want you on it. They wouldn't, because I would be talking about how he should have been at second base for the last ten years of his career. And I would be a real cloud over the parade. I would be a real buzzkill. So they they don't want me anywhere near that. Uh, Yeah. Whatever they're doing. My tendency, and the only reason I share my tendency in this case, Travis, is because... I think it is probably the tendency of other people as well, um, and that I think that's probably what makes it more interesting, is in any moment when there is a great deal of attention drawn to a particular person specifically, my inclination is to back away from that attention because I, it's suspicious. And I think the more that you celebrate a player or a person in general, the more that, that person right becomes distorted. The more, the further away you get from the, um, from actually understanding what that person's like. I f- Does yeah, that sound? It it sounds. Uh, I think you're onto something. It sounds I mean, quite, Derek, quite reasonable. I mean, it, it is like wasn't the genius of Derek Jeter, besides the fact that he was quite good as a ball player, right? Uh, but wasn't his sort of genius is that he he learned like many others do to say so little. That um, that anyone could could see could uh, essentially create a narrative around him, right? Yeah, the real genius is that he made people put their smartphones away, or he took them. <laughs> they came in his house or his presence. Uh, but yeah, I don't. I think all that the hero worship and the all the media attention it does <laughs> distort things, and I'm not comfortable celebrating people to the degree that we're celebrating Jeter. So uh, I'm not a decision maker in this process but it it does seem like uh, I think Nick has a point. There should be more focus on today and tomorrow and less on uh, this great shortstop this great player. But I mean mm-hmm. we know he's great. What He just retired, what, three years ago? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, recently. It, uh, yeah, it's if this was a twenty-five year reunion or something, maybe. But this isn't. This isn't that far in the past. Uh, Emil Chorin, Romanian uh, aphorist and philosopher Emil Chorin, otherwise known as E. M. Chorin, writes: "I get along quite well with someone only when when he is at his lowest point, and has neither the desire <laughs> nor the strength to restore his habitual illusions." <laughs> I think we can all relate to that sentiment. <laughs> yeah, I think we can. Well, be, uh, allow me to. I don't think I'm shoehorning this segue in. I think that this has been this has been given to us uh, by circumstance, because um, I know that you wrote about Eric Thames recently, th- uh, this past week, in fact. And uh, quite unlike the the situation with Derek Jeter, after whom everyone is clamoring, Eric Thames, really up until a month ago. Um, was the subject of nearly, of at least in the states, of almost z- zero attention. 
my kind of guy. Yeah, precisely. Well, that's <laughs> the thing. Yeah, underdog. <laughs> right, but but his uh, his exile essentially, um, because that's what his that's what his career in Korea became. Regardless of the fact that I think he was uh, he beca- he came to be beloved by fans, the fact that he did not uh, he was not conversant in Korean, and the fact that the American players um, who were on his team also had families and therefore. Uh, we're probably less inclined to, you know, go out. Um, right. I think that he essentially, he was forced, he he became, uh, he almost became like a baseball monk, didn't he? <laughs> I mean, there's something. He did. He, he did. From your, what your, from your post that you wrote, um, the fact that, you know, he wakes up and he goes and he has like a quiet meal while he's reading and he comes back and he's taking... He's taking. He's practicing visualization. He's taking dry swings. Um, he he essentially went on a retreat. He went on a baseball retreat inside of himself. He did, and I, I think that's so fascinating. And right. uh, I think I'd read. I think it was a USA Today profile by Bob Nightingale, and I think in the the, the latter portion of the story, it had mentioned how he had become interested in, in uh, doing some meditation over there he had read some significant books uh he was trying to do some self-improvement so when the brewers were in town in pittsburgh the other last week i was curious to explore that topic and uh this idea and i didn't realize how much time he did spend alone and i think that idea of uh, the idea that there can be power and boredom and loneliness is interesting i think you can either uh sort of embrace it and use it for what it gives you, which is time, or you can run away from it. And I think most of us, I like stories like that because I think everyone has been bored at some point. Everyone has been alone at some point. Uh, it's a very human experience. And even in my own life, I remember going off to my first newspaper job in Rocky Mount, North Carolina, and I'd never lived outside of Ohio. I was 22, 23. Uh, my parents helped me move in. I remember them leaving. <laughs> and I remember, like, uh, I, and this is the same country. There was not much of a language barrier. But, but when they left, I felt like I had been, uh, I don't know, like I was dropped off in the new world and here, go build a settlement, you know, no one, and see what you can what do. What was your first, <laughs> wait, when they, after they drove away, what was your first act? Uh, that's a good question. I don't. This is many years ago, so I don't. I don't even know what my first act was. I but I do remember that feeling of feeling very alone. Yeah. But I think it ultimately, and most people are able to form some relationships. I didn't have a language barrier. I was not in Korea. I was in the United States. But mm-hmm. I think uh, I was away from friends, family, and that did help my career. I think it made me focus more on writing and reporting and reading. Uh, yeah. So. At some level, I can kind of relate to being a baseball monk. I was sort of a writer, a writing monk, a reporting monk for a while. Uh, and I do think there is a power in boredom, and I think the Thames story is a good one. This is a he used that time well. He he studied the game. He looked up. I, I recount how he's researching Barry Bonds' videos. He's looking for not 
It was hard to find videos of Bonds not hitting home runs. He wanted full at-bats. He wanted to see the pitches he didn't swing at. And at his peak, what was he able to take? Uh, and he, through that visualization that he still practices, he was able to really uh, refine his strike zone. And Thames has the lowest out-of-zone swing rate in the game right now. And if you look at his heat map, he is locked in in one area. And I, I do think we can explain a large part of that from uh, from his exile from, as you mm-hmm. said, becoming a baseball monk. Yeah, but it is, it is. you mentioned your your own experience getting dropped off. Where did you say, North Carolina? Rocky Mount, North Carolina. Rocky Mount, North Carolina. What were you doing there? I was uh, covering mostly high schools, some AC. It was near Raleigh-Durham, so okay. they covered ACC schools to Duke, North Carolina. Uh, so I was sort of a general entry-level sports reporter coming out of Ohio State. At what paper? The Rocky Mount Telegram. The Rocky Mount Telegram. How does one go... Sorry, this is a bit of a um, (laughs) a tangent, but how does one go about acquiring a job with the Rocky Mount Telegram? Back in that era, (laughs) there were newspaper (laughs) jobs available, and you would go to websites like journalismjobs.com and... Young people would send their resumes out all out through throughout the country, and I was not uh, talented enough or savvy enough to have secured an internship when I was at Ohio State at a newspaper. I should have probably been more focused on that. Uh, so I didn't have a great entryway, a great gateway. So I had to go to a smaller newspaper to start my career, and uh, after. <laughs> After months of going to FedEx and copying newspaper clips and putting them in manila envelopes and sending them out the, throughout the United States, mm-hmm. they, they were one of the places that called me back. So, uh, yeah, that's how I ended up there. The Rocky Mount Telegram. I think it still exists. So, yeah. yeah. Um, okay. But as you notice, when you, as you've been dropped off there and you, you, Points of feelings, and again, I'm only I'm citing your emotions now because my guess is that there is something universal to them. I, th- I think so. I right. think so. It is. It is interesting. I'd be. I'd be curious. I don't know how you'd study this, but the extent to which a fear of loneliness and boredom, or at least a, um, an intent, an intent to flee from loneliness and boredom, if it's not necessarily fear, then it's some other sort of aversion towards those experiences to what degree that informs you know the uh, the plurality of our decision making um, I feel as though this is why uh, why you know, I mean obviously uh, we form relationships and some of them are based off of uh, mutual virtues but uh, frequently the thing that we have in common with another person is that neither of us wants to be alone. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think so. I think that's why a lot of people probably hang around in relationships. Uh, oh, yeah. They're afraid of not being alone, or they're afraid of uh, what life is like on the other side of this relationship, in mm-hmm. a different relationship. But yeah, I think that fear of loneliness is a driver of decisions, good decisions, and, the, and, and maybe it, not so good decisions. So what's exceptional about Eric Thames, we could say, I think it's fair to say it's exceptional about him, and what one can learn from him is is what he practiced in within the discipline of baseball, but which is likely, and I think this is something that's common to many Travis Sochik stories, is is a concept likely applicable to uh, disciplines outside of the pastime, 
is that instead of fleeing from loneliness and boredom, he essentially, uh, he, uh, let's see, he flipped the script and changed the game as a, as a promotional material will sometimes say about a product. <laughs> he both flipped the script and changed the game. And he said, uh, what if I use this? Now you cite a text, and I, I, pardon me, I don't have your post right in front of me, but you cite a text, uh, that is essentially a, a study of boredom. Do you, do you happen to recall the title? It was from my, my friend um, David Minnell, I believe. Who oh I, yeah, David Minnell from, yes. uh, from Buck's Dugout. He's a college yeah. professor in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. And he had written about this idea of pure time and he had cited this author's work. I think this is what you're referring to. Yeah, 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 I have. And I, I'm, I'm, it's about to be in front of me, the yeah. title of it. Yeah. Uh, uh, okay, allow me to, uh, allow me to anglicize, terribly anglicize what I gather is a foreign person's name. I apologize to the author of the book. Um, the, um, it, oh, he recently noted the call of, uh, it's Gayatri Devi. We're going to say Gayatri Devi, perhaps? Oh, and then there's also, there's another book, I apologize, The Power of Boredom by philosopher Two Mark works, Hawkins. yes, yes. Right. <clears throat> Two works cited. Right. So there's, so, uh, Mark Hawkins, The Power of Boredom, he, he characterizes boredom as spaces and time containing pure creative potential available for self and life transformation. Uh, and I think, I actually haven't read that book, yeah. but, but I researched this idea and I yeah. thought this, uh, this hits on, uh, exemplifies what, what Thames hit on. Uh, yeah, that idea of being creative. Boredom filling in that space with self-improvement practices. Uh, not everyone can do it. Not everyone wants to do it. But the brewer's slugger is an example of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So boredom has, and I, and I did. So my one act, really, as an editor in this particular piece, uh, you had titled it originally Eric Thames, Eric Thames, sorry, Eric Thames, and the and the power of boredom, and I inserted transformative. And uh, because that, was probably, that was a good decision because well, there's, a book, w- there's, a, there's already a book titled The Power of Boredom. We need to be. Oh, oh, it's uh, right. The, yeah. yeah, that's right. The Power of Boredom. Yeah, but, but I guess that wasn't your reasoning for changing the title. No, no, it wasn't. Uh, yeah. Anyway, the uh, but this is the point is that it's a <clears throat> is that if we submit to it, and indeed if we um, if we lean into boredom as opposed to escaping it. Um, then, then something great can happen. It just takes a while for it to become, f- for it to be forged within us, and that's the scary thing. I think is trusting that that will happen. Is trusting that it's bringing somewhere. Especially, and I could tell you, um, I have managed boredom qu- well in the past, but I do not do it very well now. Ah, yeah, I've gotten much worse at it. Whereas, if I have a minute, for example, I will almost definitely. I have a series of sites that I will check. Um, without really real interest in what I find, but it's just a practice that prevents me from a moment's repose. But I'll go to 538.com, and this I, this is all an admission. Uh, what I mean to say is this is not an admission of strength. This is I'm I am now divulging to you my weaknesses, <laughs> Travis. So I look at 538.com, and I look at the um, the aggregated approval ratings for for President Donald Trump. I go to Washington, ah. WashingtonPost.com. I probably Google my name. It's a re- I mean, this is a real <laughs> chronicle of weakness is what we, was what you have before you. Yeah. And it's all, all of that is based off of 
concern, anxiety, and uh, horrible vanity. So it's really, <laughs> it's a real, it's a real, it's not the original trilogy or the original trinity. It's a trinity of, it's a trinity of sadness. <laughs> I, I'm not sure that Eric was Googling his name in moments of boredom in, in South Korea, but... Well, it I'm, sounds like you wouldn't have found too much. No. Uh, no. Yeah. Uh, I'm guilty of Googling my own, and I don't know if, is that a, a media thing, or if you're in the media, you're curious about what people are saying about you, or does everyone Google? Well, name? I'm barred. I'm just, I am uh, hungry for attention. Huh. I think that's it. As, as we all are. But uh, Yeah, but it's, but I'm not saying, but it's not a strong, it's not, it's not a, a it's not a strong place from which to be working. Do you know what I'm saying? No. So, it's not a point of strength. It's a point of weakness. And I suppose that um, by saying it aloud, perhaps that lends something to uh, – erases some of the, the the negative effects a little bit. By, how how uh, often are you bored? Hmm. Well, how I, is the question how often am I bored or how often do I allow myself to be bored? Hmm. How do I want to frame this? Yeah. Uh, how often do you have the ability to, or to find yourself in a situation where you might be bored? Hmm. And then you make a decision whether to to be idle and to lament being idle or you yeah, go I don't to five thirty. It could be once a day. Maybe I'm so, you know I'm in in line. Waiting in line is one way to do it, right? Yeah. Or, or on hold. You have a child. I wonder if you're bored a lot more often by having a child, or you uh, find yourself because you're doing things in the in his service sometimes. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that bored is quite the. I don't think you're bored. You don't. You lose your time it, to be. You lose your your time to find that creativity. That's that, probably yeah, the point, uh, yeah. yeah, you lose your. Is furious. You lose your is furious the adjective you're looking for? Not not a. Not bored, furious. Hmm. Occasionally, the child is often furious. <laughs> you're really just hustling to meet the demands of the child, and the child has many demands. So right. you are you're busy. You're not bored. You're busy, and it's not a leisurely or productive way to always spend time. But it, mm-hmm. it is a there's a purpose to it. Uh, Here's a thought, and it's uh, it may not be a thought that appeals to everybody, but. <clears throat> Uh, Eric Thames, I'm assuming, does not have a child. Is that right? He does not. He has... Yeah. Yeah. He had no family with him in Korea. That's right. He had two American or uh, two American teammates. I think just two English-speaking teammates, but they mm-hmm. had families with them. So... Right. Here's, here's, a, here's the dark thought, then, or the unappealing thought, at the very least. If Eric Thames had had a child previously... He likely would not have improved at baseball uh, to the extent that he did, because I, he would not have been permitted this opportunity for boredom um, that that ultimately allowed him to become to you know um, to transform from merely a a hitter with a, a considerable bat speed into this sort of selective monster that he's become. I, I think that's a fair. Uh, assessment or thought, mm-hmm. yeah. And if he had a child, maybe he never accepts the contract to go to 
the KBO. If he does go to the KBO, his hands are probably full when he's not playing. He doesn't have that time to explore hitting philosophies and all the other things he was doing. He's not YouTubing at video at 2 in the morning. Uh, right. So, yeah, so I, I think he's a different player if he has different life circumstances. So just a, a note there to anybody, make sure you're not ready to cobble together an MVP caliber season <laughs> before you go ahead and have kids. Just check it out, you know, really explore the space. Right. Just uh, to verify. Now, <laughs> for me at 37, I'm I'm fairly certain it's not going to happen. I think you're in a safe space. Yeah, but he was, uh, of course, Thames is only 30. Yeah. And Travis Sochik is how old? I'm 36. Yeah. Yeah. I'm on, up there. yeah, I'm in the decline, decline mm-hmm. phase. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fir- firmly smack dab in the middle of the decline phase. Yeah. Yeah, you're really, really, you're exploring a different space. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, any struggling, you know, maybe ball players should put family, family planning on hold when they read the same story. <laughs> yeah, that's, if that's, if that's the one thing, uh, that we can extract, the one nugget, the jewel that we can extract from Eric Thames' story. It's um, <laughs> it's don't surround yourself with people whom you love and who love you. <laughs> Is that right? And you'll be better for it. Uh, maybe professionally there's something to that. Mm-hmm. Hey, all sorts of people have put uh, – people are putting uh, family creation off to a later point in life for a professional gain. So uh, it's not just Eric Thames. This is a, this is a thing. This is an extreme, this is an extreme case of putting this profession first. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, in an alternate universe somewhere, Eric Thames is in AAA somewhere changing diapers and he's miserable. <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it is interesting to, to hear him talk about it too though. Uh, his experience over there. The, <clears throat> obviously sometimes he, he wanders into what might be described best as, you know, as contemplative practice or meditative practice. Um, but there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, to his story that I could also be characterized, you know, by secular uh, terminology too, right? Um, and and whether it's secular or or maybe characterized by you know by Eastern philosophy, the the um, his comments on being able to control the situation, I think, are useful regardless. Um, I think he talks about a lot how he's like he's learned to let go of results. Isn't that right? That's right. Um, and which is something that he was not really able to do before. But it, it I suppose it's uh, it, it's somewhat revealing that as soon as he was allowed to. Uh, separate himself from the results and focus merely on the process. That's uh, that's when he started to improve. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's not his story isn't just about looking up videos and reading about Ted Williams swing playing. It's maybe part of it is just time and maturity. Where he left at twenty seven, he came back at thirty. Uh, I think a lot of people change in temperaments in their twenties to thirty. Uh, he did. He said he says he did. And maybe, well, he didn't communicate a lot much with teammates. Maybe uh, there were things about the culture of the KBO or South Korean culture that influenced him in some ways that maybe he can't articulate or is not aware of. So there are other things at work, too. 
uh, yeah, one of the, I think it was a question that led me down this path with him was usually when there's a turnaround story, a player will credit a coach or, or someone, uh, a teammate, with some idea or some training method that helped them. <laughs> but when I asked him, was there anyone in the KBO that helped you? He, he said, there's no one. This was all, and he wasn't being, uh, he wasn't trying to take full credit to be uh, selfish and credit bestowed, but he, his point was, is that he was so isolated, so alone he felt that this was all work he had done. It was all self-improvement. It, there was no outside help. The language barrier was tough to communicate with coaches, so, uh, yeah, I thought I thought that was interesting that he he really took full he he felt he was so alone he took full credit for this turnaround, uh, but but yeah I do think there are other factors beyond uh, beyond boredom I think there's maturity and and uh, maybe some well he he essentially created a sort of curriculum for himself right like he it, did. he's at some level I think well, I think the term would be autodidact one who teaches him or herself he. Um, he decided that there was a course uh, that he needed to take, and he was the, um, and he essentially became his own teacher in that course. Uh, and what, and you assume that it's it's a curriculum designed specifically for him. So what he might have lacked, obviously as a teacher in uh, expertise, um, he was able to compensate for it by essentially uh, tailoring the content of that of that uh, mentorship with himself. Uh, to his own tastes, and and you know probably to remain, uh, ultimately to you know to remain absolutely curious and engaged the whole time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you, you you agree? I agree. Yeah. And I don't didact is a self-taught person. Uh, I, I think when Thames was in the major leagues in his first go around, I mean he had skill. You don't arise to that level without significant. Uh, playing abilities and athleticism, and I think his bat speed was apparent when he's with the Blue Jays. So he also didn't need like to completely rebuild himself. But I think what he did teach himself was that really important tool of uh, that discipline, uh, that focus, and when you can lock in like he has and allow the the physical skills to manifest and unleash. It's a really powerful thing. So he did pick. The right topic to self-teach himself. That is for sure. Travis, I've been asking you some questions here. I've been asking you to comment on um, matters pertaining to Eric Thames, but most importantly to to boredom. Right? You, you'd agree. Yes. What I'd like to ask you now about now um, is an activity. Is this, is uh, about the what it, you could characterize as almost the exact opposite subject matter, which would be diversion. <laughs> right. What is a diversion except that which? Um, well, I guess it escapes us f- from two influences. One, the influence of boredom, right? Yes. And also, perhaps the influence of of uh, obligation, <laughs> right? A diversion is something that, in which we participate to um, to stay away from our obligations. Uh, there's a particular diversion about which I'd like to ask, and it uh, it's called Hardball Dynasty. This, this is one of my favorite diversions, Carson. Yeah. I don't – I'm interested to see here how you describe it. But could you please lay some, some of the foundation here? Tell me what is Hardball Dynasty 
and why it's essential, or to at least why why I'm invoking it here. It is a simulation uh, computer baseball game played online, and it's uh, as the owner of as a general manager of a team, you're charged with uh, building rosters from the major league level down to rookie ball. You draft players, you sign free agents, you sign international free agents. Basically, it's like playing fantasy GM. Only these, these aren't real players. Uh, they they take major league. They combine first and last names of players who have played in the major leagues, but these are computer generated players. Anyway, uh, yeah, it's it's great. You play. I think a season is played in ninety days. Thirty two teams in a league. I am in a league with uh, fellow baseball writers, so there is a. It's a, it's quite fun. There's a great level of competitiveness and it's great banter. Uh, now, are we are we able to? Can we enum- can we discuss, discuss with the other players in the league? Are you? Do you feel comfortable doing that? <laughs> I, I, I do. I don't know how comfortable they are, but. <laughs> I well, I can tell. I, I know one person who's definitely in the league, and that's that's Nick Picoro of the Arizona he is. Republic. I'm willing and, to out him at the very least. I feel yes, comfortable enough. He, and he is uh, regarded as the finest owner of this. He's built something of a dynasty in Mexico yeah. City where his franchise is located. <laughs> is that right? <laughs> That's right. Okay. Uh, yeah, so, and there are a number of other uh, beat writers and other sorts of baseball writers in this league. Yeah, I think of the 32 owners, 20 or so are, are uh, baseball writers. Beat reporters are national reporters covering mm-hmm. Major League Baseball. Uh yeah, and so every day is a diversionary uh, practice. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, there's a cycle every four hours where either – there's three games per day, so every eight hours a game is played. But then there's three other cycles where uh, you get updates on players you're trying to sign or other transactional things going on. So uh, – <laughs> and they, they occur about six minutes after the hour, so like – Three to six to seven minutes. So at three o six or three o seven p.m., I'm mm-hmm. checking the website, seeing what's going on. Seven o seven, doing the same thing. Now, it, see, I remember it's become from, quite addictive. Yeah, no, I remember from having played uh, Horrible Dynasty, which we can also refer to as HBD. 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 Uh, I played one or two seasons, maybe, and it, um, and I, and I was not very good at it. And I have some questions for you as to maybe. As to help me understand why I wasn't very good at it. Um, but yes, th- there are certain times of the day which begin to gain a whole new significance. As you mentioned, you're saying 3.06. Now to you is like, that's you get like a little, um, you're, you, you're the pleasure center in your brain, it lights up a little bit. That time has significance now it, in yes. a way that it doesn't. Yes. I mean, just or as you say, six or seven minutes after the hour, every four hours, you have a little... A little shot of dopamine, maybe, or whatever. Uh, you know, I whatever. need that dopamine. Like, <laughs> <What>? <laughs> it's like a double shot espresso uh, three times a day or something. Right, or, uh, or whatever, yeah, neurochemical is being uh, <laughs> activated. But but you have that now. So this, there's the, I know that from that from my experience with it, there's that moment every, as you say, four or eight hours, however you do it. But um, you, Yes, you play it. You, you, you've experienced this. Yeah, I have experienced, right. And it's through What If Sports, I believe, right? What If Sports.com. 
It is, which I think is owned by Fox Sports. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I uh, encourage everyone to go up and sign up and play and become addicted and ruin relationships and <laughs> put your family and friends second and really dig into this game. Uh, for now, instance, the amateur draft was held the other night, and it was it was run at the 3 a.m. cycle. Uh, oh, so I, you woke up? Well, I debated waking up, but what's happened before is... Uh, or if there's like a key free agent negotiation, I've woken up before at three in the three in the morning, or stayed up till three in the morning, and in, if, in order and to participate, just I mean nothing was going to change after that. It would still be the same for the most. But part. But you wanted the information. I wanted it right then, right now. But the problem is, uh, it's often bad news. Sometimes it's good news, and then it. it I'm upset by it. I cannot fall back asleep, or I'm very excited by it, and then I cannot fall back asleep. So then, I'm my whole circadian rhythm has been thrown off. And, no, no, wait. Yeah. Let me let me let me make this point. You have a wife, right? I do. Now, do you sleep in the same bedroom as your wife? <laughs> we do. Yeah. You do. Okay. What? Believe it, believe it or not, Carson. Yes. Yeah. Well, what does your wife think, Travis, when you? Wake up at 3 a.m. simply to simply to uh, examine the results of a computer transaction of essentially of code that has been run at uh, at this hour of the night. Right, a, a bunch of binary decisions have been <laughs> been run, and it's called. Well, fortunately, I was a I was a, a beat writer for uh, my first four, five, six seasons playing this game. Mm-hmm. So often, I was not disturbing her. I was on the road when I would... I think I was in Chicago last year when I decided to stay up till 3 in the morning and see the results of the draft. Probably a bad decision, but at the time it seemed seemed wise and, <laughs> and quite mm-hmm. fun. Uh, so yeah, I the other night, I did not... I disciplined myself to just wait till I naturally woke up in the morning to see the results. Do you think you woke up more easily because you were anticipating the results? Uh, I don't. That's a good question. I'm not sure. You weren't particularly chipper when you woke up, or filled with adrenaline. No, I was anxious. I was fear. I was bracing myself for the worst. Uh, the, the way the draft board set up my position late in the first round, I, I didn't think I was going to get one of the the first tier of players I'd targeted, and. And sure enough, I did not. So the whole day, the day began on a sour note. Uh, and I'm just now getting over it. This happened about 36 hours ago. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> so it was a wise decision to now when I turn see, the phone so off. Just don't wake up at 3 in the morning. Wake up at your when the 2-year-old wakes up. Mm-hmm. Do not disrupt uh, your life cycle. So you're right. Yeah, I, it would be very selfish to bother to disturb my wife at three in the morning to check a uh, the latest HPD cycle. Um, I, I try not to do that regularly. Okay, <clears throat> now, unless it's a play- really important free agent negotiation. <laughs> every player in the in the now I'm not talking about the human players. I'm talking about these computer generated players. Should we every go over player- some more names of owners? Uh, yeah, well, let's get to that in a second. Okay. I want to get to that in a second. Every player in the league, in, in, in your league, has a profile, essentially. Um, has a set of, has a collection of tools, right? And each tool is given a n- numerical assessment. 
between, I think, 0 and 100? That's right. So give me an idea of like a batter. Like what are, what are the tools? I've, I don't remember all the tools. There's uh, contact, power, batting eye, left, right splits. There's base running skill and speed. And then you have range, glove, arm strength, throwing accuracy, uh, a skill called pitch calling for catchers. So yeah, there's, you have, uh, then there's intangibles like makeup, uh, injury, susceptibility. So yeah, there's, what's how many categories there are? Yeah, I but just, how do you I know just what... happen to have it open. There's so like, do you have like a, uh, do you have like a, hard algorithm or do you have some rules of thumb by which you assess certain players because this was what i was particularly bad at right and i think probably at the time that i played i was in the sort of uh i i had been seduced by players who oh sorry we have a, a mongrel going by here uh we we i was seduced by players who exhibited particularly keen batting eyes in the majors and so i decided that that was going to be the skill that in which I invested most heavily among my computer-generated players. But what yeah. I realized in so doing was that whether I was doing it correct or not, that the programmers of the game knew the answers, right? They knew which skills were most important, and essentially I was attempting to reverse-engineer the decisions they had made. That's right. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So I wasn't necessarily playing against people in a league, um, I was playing, I was essentially looking to determine by trial and error, at some level, the the biases or the inclinations or the decisions made by the programmers of the, of the, of the software. It's, it could be quite frustrating too. Yeah, so, so, so where did I, so what do you, what is your rule of thumb? What is the algorithm essentially that you use? What do you weight more or less heavily? You should probably have Nick on as a guest. You know, he has got like six world championships. I well, <laughs> what are your records usually? What do you finish? Uh, what's, I can tell you my career record. Okay, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, what do you? You got any ninety win seasons? You think? Well, I'm I'm on the upswing. It was a long rebuilding period in okay. Montre- Montreal, where my team is based. Okay, and, uh, right. And what's your what's your team's name? The Montreal what? The Sacre Blue. That's a very good name. <laughs> oh. You know, I was just in. I was just in Montreal. I know. How how was your trip? Yeah, it was great. It was great. Good. But I didn't know. I didn't know I was. I was You're in my city. Did you visit the ballpark? I did. I did. did you go Actually, to a team? Did you go to a team store? <laughs> what did they? Uh, what What did they? What stadium do they play? Do they play in what exhibition or Olympic stadium? They play in Olympic Stadium. Okay. Uh, and uh, I saw there's Olympic park stadium factors. The... It's a hitter's park, apparently. Okay. I don't. I don't know if it played that way. When the expos were there, I guess sure. it was. I guess it was a hitter's park. And what's uh, what's Nick Picoro's team name? <laughs> is it, uh, is it, are we allowed to say it aloud? I think so. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to determine who I should protect here and sh- who, who I should not. Yeah, well, um, the people you know best are probably the ones you should feel most comfortable outing. <laughs> uh, yeah, so as we go on to the next topic. <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't have to tell me that. You could tell me you haven't you've still not divulged how you weight various categories when you're attempting to assess right. either a hitter 
you know, a field player or a, or a pitcher. We didn't even discuss pitchers in the categories that pertain to them. Right. Well, I think batting eye, which you valued, is really important. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's message boards where people are debating what skill, how skills factor into the overall performance. Mm-hmm. Uh, and all players are created a little bit differently, so it's hard to find exact comps. But when I'm bored, I will go through... Uh, listings of players and look for comps when I'm bidding on a player or mm-hmm. making a trade and who does he compare to which and what has that player done off- offensively yeah. for example which isn't so much different than what we try to do with comps and now you, did, now you, you just uttered a, a, a particular phrase there and I don't even know if you realize you did it you said when I'm bored I did that intentionally oh you did yes you're not necessarily leaning into boredom in this particular case. <laughs> no, I wanted to tie. There's a theme. I wanted to yes, tie there back is, into there's the theme. There's a deep theme. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, I can be very, very much involved in something, and I will. St- I am very much not bored. I'm preoccupied, uh, and I will still go out of my way for to check in mm-hmm. and see what just happened in the most recent cycle. And okay, now let me let me ask you. I'm gonna. Uh, can I uh, ask you an diversion. existential? Can I ask you an existential question? Yes. This is not a gotcha existential question. Okay. Here's the thing. Frequently, I think to myself before uh, I say, "Is this the sort of thing when I am on my deathbed <laughs> that I will either particularly regret or ha- or particularly value?" Right. I see where you're going with this. I think. So I so here's here's my question: When you're on your deathbed, and you look back, or even now, when you evaluate when in the future I'm on my deathbed, do you do you feel as though you will be content with the amount of time you dedicated to Hardball Dynasty? You're assuming I'll be lucid and sort of aware on my deathbed. Uh, well, yeah, I'm not saying that there's ever. Uh, well, no, no. Would you prefer I? Would you prefer I concoct a scenario where you die in a tragic accident? <laughs> Is that where I, you're going with this? Well, I would, I would, yeah. Uh, the amount of time that I've spent in this fake world, in this fake team, yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, it's sort of even embarrassing to talk about in this podcast, I guess. Well, okay, because but, I'm willing to, but. I do think there is some real-world value to come from it, and uh, I have some better relationships, maybe even some friendships that have formed from this league, and it is sort of nice to network with other writers in the country. So mm-hmm. I think there are some real some real benefits that have come from it. And also, it's a, it's a form of... Uh, it's, a, it's a form of leisure, I guess. It's a way to enjoy downtime boredom so i think there's some benefit in that too yeah, so well, I, I will not regret playing this game carson <laughs> <laughs> well and i and i think that there's another reasonable response too which is and this is one with which i've become more comfortable as i've gotten older and have become less optimistic about about my abilities about about my contributions <laughs> is that yeah you know you have to do something with every minute of your day and it's not going to all be nobel prizes do you know what i'm saying right yeah there's 
<laughs> I'm totally with you on that. Yeah, so. and I think that you say, yeah, you're like, sometimes to get through the day, you're going to have to dedicate even perhaps a hefty chunk of it to to um, activities that don't necessarily make you proud. But at the same time, you're not hurting it. You're not actively hurting anyone either. Right. Yeah. Uh, maybe it's like a crossword puzzle too, where if you're using certain regions of your your brain to strategize mm-hmm. in this game, maybe it helps put off Alzheimer's or something too. So maybe there's right, some. So it could have a tendon med- benefit. There could be some medical benefits too. All right. We still have not gotten to. I want to know what you use. How do you know? Uh, like, say a guy has like a 90i, right? Because it's what, 0 to 100? What do you, what do you, is 50 league average? Or is it, or is the average, do you think, something higher than that? Ideally, I think you want to have like a, a 60 ratings across the board. Uh, or like 60 would be sort of league average, I think. Okay, for, so you think it's a little bit higher. Scale. All right. So, if a guy has a 100i, but everything else is 60, right? So say say let's let's look at player A. Now we do this in real baseball analysis too, right? Player A has 60s across the board, except he's got a a 100 I rating. Right. Okay, you ready? Now let's take another player who has 60s across the board, except he has a 100 rating against right-handed pitchers. Very who's valuable better, skill. Yeah. Who's a better player? Uh. I would prefer the. It's a good question. I love batting. I would probably take the hundred verse right because most pitchers are right-handed. Okay. And it's probably a left-handed batter. Uh, that controls batting average, driving the ball. Those are both really good players, but that's what makes the game so interesting. Is no player has the exact same rating, and you go throughout mm-hmm. the history, and you can't find exact comps. So you're going through their production, and you're trying to make these evaluations. But then the ballparks play differently, and the competition in one league might be different. So what's the quality of pitchers they're facing? They're really many of the same questions we're asking ourselves daily at Fangraphs as we evaluate things. So, mm-hmm. uh, But I think I would rather have the 100-verse right. I also think that would be a more rare uh, skill set in the game. So okay. probably a more valuable so, player. Now, is the guy with the eye, is he going to walk more? He will. That'll be like a 4 like a 410 on base. I mean, hugely valuable. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. All right. So so it do, that does relate to do you think it do you think it influences only walks or do you think it has some interactivity with the other skills? It's it is supposed to have some in, interactivity with uh being able to hit mistakes, I believe, is what the developers mm-hmm. have said. Developers occasionally hold these chats where you can ask questions. Uh but they're they always leave a little bit of mystery there too. I don't. They don't want you to figure out <laughs> have all the answers. No, so. of course they don't. Do you uh, think that? Do you think now? You, you mentioned Nick is good at this game. Do you feel like Nick has probably spoken with the developers and I, under, I and actually knows the algorithms that inform the game? <laughs> he probably invented the game. He might have invented the game. He Wait, are you looking at your game. league? Are you looking at your league right now? <laughs> It just happened. I have about eight tabs open, and one of those tabs is usually dedicated to the league website. All right. Well, as we're talking, would you mind? Would you mind sending a link? Could you send a link to it for me? I think I can view it without being logged in, right? I think so. Yeah. I'm interested in uh, in doing this. Now, have you ever poured? Now, you say what? Nick Nick is a winner. Nick Nick wins a lot. He's a winner. He's a winner. 
do you think that that have you ever taken the opportunity simply to study his team and what makes his team good? He he was sort of a mentor to me <laughs> early on, and we would okay. exchange text messages. Uh, at winter meetings, there's often a little subset of owners who will gather at the hotel bar and talk about the game, talk about bad decisions, good decisions, other things. But, uh, yeah, Nick helped me learn Hardball Dynasty. He's, he's been a mentor to probably five or six owners in this league, so he has mm-hmm. sort of a... Bill Belichick, uh, John Hart, like tree of executives, he's he's created, and it's a pro- it's something to be proud of. It's quite a legacy. Uh, <laughs> That's a funny thing to say. Um, uh, uh, but Pedro Mora is in the league. The, uh, the fine LA Times Angels beat writer, Mark Carrig, Newsday. Yeah. Oh, so these are people you don't you know you feel comfortable outing. Well, I don't know, but I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Joe Lemire, sport, former Sports Illustrated writer. Now he, he's vice. He's freelancing all over the place, I believe. Uh, Jordan Bastion, MLB.com. There's a whole Cleveland contingent too. There's like five or mm-hmm. six guys who are in the Cleveland media. August, formerly employed at Fangraphs. And I believe he's announced... I don't want to say... I believe he's announced... He has announced. Now, in the Milwaukee... Well, uh (laughs) (laughs) uh-oh. I don't think they're supposed to know that. Uh, No, he doesn't play. (laughs) No. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we'll see. We'll see if he gets out. <laughs> we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Uh, Dan Barbarisi, formerly the Wall Street Journal. Mm-hmm. Trent Rosecrans. Oh, yeah, C-Trent. Yeah. C-Trent. So, yeah, there's a whole... <laughs> it's like just ruined six people's careers. Yeah. But, yeah, for this segment, I think it helped. Uh, I think what, what helped your career. It helped my career, sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're... you're, you're <laughs> Well, you know what? You actually might be uh, sabotaging yourself because if they lose their jobs, they'll have more time to play. They'll really be... <laughs> I've hurt myself in this. Yes. Yeah, in this regard, you have. Um, I think that this is interesting. Um, God, I think... Um, uh, I think that I would study... I think I would study uh, Nick's team. But now, here's another thing I know about the game is that you allocate a certain amount of money at the beginning of the year. You you, divide, you decide your budget, whether you want to spend a lot on the current roster, you want to spend a lot on development. And one thing you can spend money on is uh, uh, advanced scouting, essentially, professional scouting, which right. and I think, if I'm not mistaken, in theory, according to the developers, the more you spend on advanced scouting or professional scouting, the more accurate are the uh, tool ratings for the players you see on other teams. That's true. Although, but Nick taught me that you should spend no money in advanced scouting. And if you just save your draft reports, uh, you won't have every player, but you'll have a general idea. And you you learn how development patterns. So it's sort of re- redundant to spend money on advanced scouting. Uh but I think what's interesting about the budget that you bring up 
is that there is this this tug of war between the future and the present, mm-hmm. and can you find a way to balance uh, short-term success with long-term success? And do you have the restraint to not avoid paying for that free agent that would help you right now, but for putting more money into international scouting and your high school scouting and thinking long-term, getting those valuable pre-arbitration years? Uh, so there, it tests your... Uh, financial planning abilities, it tests your patience, it tests uh, uh, can you you find a good balance point between the future and the present and I don't know, maybe that's another useful aspect of this game is that it does maybe help you gain perspective and and decision making It, it would help you pass the Stanford marshmallow experiment where you sometimes you learn that one donut to, or one marshmallow today. If you can avoid eating that for five minutes, you'll get two in ten. So I think it helps in that regard. Ideally, you learn not to like marshmallows. Or right. your vice of choosing. Uh, right. If we can give you this one uh, IPA now, or if you wait ten minutes, you'll get two. <laughs> <laughs> this game teaches you that restraint. Well, it does for some people. And what has it done for you? Uh, I, I I was very patient early on. And then as I got closer to contention, I started to deviate from some of the organizational principles I had first, first laid down. Uh, yeah, I ended up going to the free agent market. I regret some of the signings I made and, uh, there's a lot of regret in this game too. I think I, uh, I think I wrote about regret recently too, and I find regret is a big part of this game. I the losses linger more than the missed opportunities hurt more than an, than the victory is rewarding or uh, exciting. All all those sorts of things. Those positive hey, emotions. By the way, I was not able to. The link was not – it was just to the standings in general. It's not to your specific standings. Oh, like the uh, – you want league records or you're looking for names? You want a list no, of well, names? No, I just want to look at the standings from your league, but this was a this was a generic standings link. Hmm. I wonder if you have to – Maybe I can't see it ultimately. I wonder if you have to be – no, that's yeah. See, you just sent me the link again, and that's also not going okay, to. Okay, yeah, that works for me. Huh? It's a Is secure. It it's a secure login. I wonder if you have to be a. Uh, yeah, I could screenshot it for you. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! So, so why wait, so why did you leave? Why did you stop playing? Like, because I was terrible at it, and and I I always had and I had a and so. I was both terrible at it, and and I was forced to reckon with the fact that I was dedicating a substantial amount of time to essentially, as I said, attempting to reverse engineer the the programming of this of this software. And when I expressed it like that to myself, I decided that I didn't care for it. <laughs> but I remember, I think you wrote a NotGraphs post about your experience. Yeah, fine. But I don't and remember what it, I said. It was. 
I think you were talking about how you're at your in-laws or future in-laws place and how you should have been paying more attention to I don't know, conversation or something, but you were you were very addicted to this game. Yeah. And that was right about the time we had that, uh, I sort of informally interviewed for this position and at the winter meetings, and I was, I was very excited to meet you in part because I thought you were still playing. No, I'm sorry. And then I, <laughs> I think you thought I was sort of mentally unstable when <laughs> the first thing I asked you was Oh, no, you actually, I was, HBD. In, I was in Aaron Gleeman's league. You know Aaron oh, Gleeman. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So here's a player. Yeah, he's talking about Ed Johnstone. Yes, yeah, I just did not have any idea. I did not have any idea what I was doing. I feel like maybe I'd have to re- review it. But it is a deep and complex game. Do you think that? Do you think that it would be? Do you think that now, on the verge of having a child, would be a good time to begin playing the game? <laughs> uh, yes and no. I mean, I think when you do have a child who's, you're spending more time at home. Usually, I think you're not able to move right. about town as freely. Uh, so you can have one you, pleasure. So one fleeting when, pleasure. <laughs> There are more moments some might describe as boredom, I think, when mm-hmm. you can't leave or the child's napping or whatever's going on. You are, you have to be home. And this is one way to pass the time. Uh, yeah. So I would strongly recommend you sign up and try again. Yeah. What about, how, how important is hiring coaches? That's a thing I don't have a good handle on. It's unclear. Have you asked Nick? <laughs> he doesn't think they're very important, so that's probably the answer. But I feel like years I've underachieved in certain areas. I've also had bad coaches there. Uh, even though the game developers say they only influence player development, I feel like they might have a stronger influence on game decisions than than they let on. So I'm very skeptical of the developers and what they say. So what's your best season? Oh, yeah, did you ever find that? My best season is the, the one that's currently going on. Oh, what's uh, your record? I don't want to sound immodest. I will just say I am. I have a two-game lead in my division. I've never won a division, so uh, this is exciting. But And you said that you just did the draft, so you must be nearing the midway point of the season? Yeah, we're about, uh, let's say, game number 65 is will be played at 7.07. So, <laughs> yeah. well one negative is my wife has criticized me about looking at my phone too often Mm -hmm. and too often it is because I'm checking a box score checking a player development update or something so or texting we have a text thread where there's uh, about eight of us uh, in this thread that is all about HB discussion in our league now only yeah. eight of you. Now are there people? Are there? Any, is there anyone in your league who you feel like is not giving a the college try? Maybe they're underachieving. I mean, there's some. I think it's tough for new owners because the game is overwhelming. The first season you play, there's a lot to learn, and <laughs> maybe this is too much for some people. Mm-hmm. Some people might have more fulfilling lives. Or they don't, they don't need a uh, fake baseball team to preside over. 
But so yeah, but those people—I mean, people who are, are not invested or don't uh, enjoy the game as much—they usually, uh, you know, they they leave after a season or two and they replace someone <clears throat> easily. By the way, I, this has caused me to think because um, you know I was talking about this debate, like, oh, when I'm on my deathbed, etc., will I have used my time wisely? If anyone, now you made you made a pitch on behalf of uh, Hardball Dynasty. I would like to make a pitch, a different sort of pitch, on behalf of Big Brother Big Sister. <laughs> Are you familiar with the Big Brother Big Sister program? Uh, I am. Yes. I uh, I became a Big Brother this fall. You did. I and, didn't know that. That's, yeah, and that's what I would like great. to say about it: the 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 investment of time and energy relative to the emotional reward is amazing. I only I do the school program, so I go in for an hour during my little brother's uh, lunch on Tuesdays. Typically, he's a great kid. He's just had uh, there's been some circumstances in life which ma- made things a little difficult for him, and he would benefit his uh, I think it's both his um, well, his teachers, guidance counselor, whatever. He would benefit from just hanging out with someone. That's it. Yeah, that's really great. And apparently. He has benefited from it. Now, I want to tell you, when I go in there, I have zero plans. I have, um, I've, I don't bring in anything with me. Sometimes we go up to the library together to look at books. Like uh, <laughs> um, two weeks ago, we just looked at a book of that looked at weapons and armor since the beginning of time. And the week before that, we looked at a book of insects together. And he would he would just be like that insect is that insect is scary, and I was like it is. <laughs> we do that for one hour. <clears throat> Nothing more than that. I, he sometimes tells me about video games that he likes. He sometimes gets real, he talks about his his family. Sometimes he doesn't do that at all. But his his uh, guidance counselor reached out to me and been like, this kid's life, like he's so much happier now. Wow. Now what that I'm trying to, make to say you feel is, great. Hey, well, that's yeah. what I'm trying to say is though, is that it's not, I don't think it's necessarily because of me, Carson Testuli, it's just because I'm another person who's showing up. Do you know what I'm saying? It's really just the point where you put in the time, and it's not, and it's not that much time, you get this crazy return on your investment. It's fantastic. Yeah, no, that's great. And uh, it's, again, it's just an hour a week, and uh, I, I really like it. I think he likes me fine. He says he makes fun of me a lot. <laughs> he does. He says he says kind of mean things to me, but it well, apparently it makes me happier. I'm sure just like having someone thing. there is great, but I'm sure your your particular presence, I'm sure, is also uh, desired and appreciated. Yeah, but my point is, if you're looking for return investment, if you're looking for a deathbed type of um, <laughs> a sort of thing on which you can reflect when you're on your deathbed. Boys, uh, uh, um, big brother, big sister. You're in a s- yes. You, yeah. uh, <laughs> I am unworthy of your company right now. What I'm trying to say is, I am not a hero at all. <laughs> I essentially just happen to identify. But that's I what all all heroes say. They're not heroes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's great. I think it's just a great program. Everybody wins in this. As an adult, you'd be like, yeah, man, I really helped out that kid. <laughs> it does not require much effort. You just go in and you're just hanging out. But it's that fun. is that is a heroic effort in many ways. I, I don't. I'm, what I'm trying to make clear, 
Travis, is that it's quite easy. And and what what I, I'm also thinking about is that if I preserve that in my life, I could probably dedicate as many hours as I want to Hardball Dynasty as long as I set aside that one hour a week to go in to help out this kid. Yeah. So what if more? What if twenty million more people spent uh, that time, that modest amount of time mm. in the program? That'd probably make a big. There's a lot impact. of impact. Make yeah, a big impact. My wife's well, a school psychologist. There's a lot of troubled family situations and kids that. Oh, I need, bet she sees yeah. some. I so bet she sees terrible some. things. Yeah. yeah, terrible things. Does she? Does she? Uh, she ever kind of bring it home with her, or does she have strategies for sort of uh, leaving it at the? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I think it's impossible not to bring some of it home with you. Right. Uh, yeah. So there's. It's a very serious job. I mean, you deal with yeah some some really tough situations, and it's not at all like what we do. So I uh, I can't really relate much to it, but I, I do hear the stories, and yeah. So it's really good what you're doing. Yeah. Well, you're right. I am a hero. That's what I was trying to get at. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, two things. Two things. Two things. First of all, I'm sending you a link by way of Slack. Okay? Okay. And I just want you to tell me if you think this house is cute. It's in Lewiston, Maine. Maybe you'll want to move there. You get that? It's long. It's probably <laughs> longer than it had to be. That is a charming residence. Yeah. A little place there, right? I didn't. I didn't cycle through it. Oh, it's beautiful inside too. Got a is that a wood burning stove? Very possibly. Oh, it's beautiful inside. This house in Lewiston, Maine. So I'm confused. Are you looking to buy a home? No, I just have a bunch of uh, Redfin alerts. Oh, okay. <clears throat> this house, do you know? This house costs one hundred fifteen thousand dollars for twelve hundred square feet. That's pretty good, don't you think? It is less than a hundred dollars a square foot. That's you get three bedrooms. Looks like all newly finished wood floors. Eric Thames. Would love this place. Hardwood floors could swing when we're out the car. Yeah, it looks like there's a couple rooms there where he could get yeah. some swings in. Yeah, this would be great. Yeah. See, well, I'm, tying anyway. it, I'm tying it back in. I just want to make I just want to make it clear to you that this might be a good house for you. Six Brand Avenue, Lewiston. Do you want me to move to Maine? Well, well you do what you want to do. <laughs> but you're the you you're quite curious about Maine. I am. Yeah. And this, uh, uh, you could get some affordable um, real estate in Lewiston. Um, <clears throat> this is only a. This is less than two miles from Baxter Brewing. This house, mile and a half, really. You're selling me. Yeah. And there's this other place, Bare Bones Beer. I don't even know what that is. That's another brewery right in town. Sort of gorgeous hardwood floors. Oh, I know, aren't they? The gleam. They really do. And Lewiston's an interesting town. I don't know everything about it, but I do know that it has a large um, refugee population. And so it's uh, created sort of an interesting dynamic. One uh, which, admittedly, um, not every resident of Lewiston embraced at the, at the beginning. Uh, there, uh, it's sort of an old blue-collar town. Um, and there was some, uh, there was some, uh, there was some problems, I think. But I, 
if I'm not mistaken, I'm not a, again, I'm not an expert on Lewiston, uh, <clears throat> there has uh, been some understanding reached and um, maybe a bit more civic pride associated with oh. the diversity of the town now. Great. People are tough. <laughs> it's tough being a person. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's tough being a person. But, uh, oh. People well, people say ugly things sometimes and think ugly thoughts. Uh, and then at the end of the day, you got to say, well, you know, that's that's bad, and also I understand why. <laughs> both are both are kind of legitimate, Travis. Yes, I I concur. I think ugly things about people all the day, all day. It's human nature. Yeah, I know. It's someone bad. cuts you off on the road, or yeah, yeah. There's, a, I mean, there's people get mad at each other very easily, especially strangers. Mm-hmm. You know, especially you made it, you made the point, especially in the car, because you're kind of removed. Can really dehumanize a person. Yes. There. Yes. Uh, we've probably all been guilty of of that from a, on occasion. Mm-hmm. But yeah, people's some of the people's worst qualities come out when they're driving. I think mm-hmm. the the selfishness to cut up into a lane, disregard for other people. I don't even like to drive. I wish I could live in a community where I could walk. Everything would be mm-hmm. accessible by foot or light rail, and I'd be good. You have some of those uh, features there in in, uh, in beautiful Mount Pleasant. Yeah, yes, as you as you're aware from your Google Map search, we yeah, that's do, right. Uh, we do have some some excellent well, features can, here. You can walk down to, um, <clears throat> if I'm not mistaken, it's called uh, what is the coffee shop there? Uptown Coffee. Uptown Coffee. Yeah, where Sam is famous. Sam that, right? is quite popular there. Yeah, he was yeah. Uh, one of the baristas. Gave him a couple uh, Matchbox cars the other day. Uh, so yeah, he gets. They're very nice to him there, and yeah, yeah, he gets gifts. It's nice. Place. All right. Well, look, I should probably uh, get to Nick Stellini's post before the day ends. <laughs> uh, but uh, but I want to tell you, this has been a lovely conversation, Travis Sachek. I've enjoyed it. I probably refer to it as something like uh, Travis Sachek is bored or is boring, is boring himself or <laughs> yeah. bores. I want you to use all the. Uh, the artistic capabilities in your possession to I'll try and do it. To, yeah, explores explores the word. Okay, hey, we'll travel. We'll stick around for one second, but uh, for the purposes of the program, allow me to say thank you, Travis Sajak. And you say you're welcome. Oh, uh, you're <laughs> welcome, Carson. <laughs> <laughs> that has been Travis Sajak, the prolific Travis Sajak, is how I'd like to refer to you. I'm Carson Sestouli, and this has been Fangraphs Audio.